Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Yeah. I let Coach Sumlin, yeah. I let the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money, and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. Hello and welcome to the Around the 12 podcast. My name is Tanner Price and I am here with my co-host Greg Hockert. Greg, how you doing? Um, I heard you are having a busy week at work this week. You know, I'm drinking tea for like the first time ever because my throat is is struggling just a little bit. I've, um, yeah, we, we don't need to go into all the details. No one wants to hear about my my employment, um, but I've, I've, I've talked a lot the last it's, uh, two days. It's uh, 9 o'clock where Greg is right now, and he's drinking caffeinated tea, I'm sure. Just kidding. Um, I, I know I know that, that Katie's got you hooked up with all the good stuff. Um, just like some some Big 12 teams have some of the good stuff. Um, well, I guess two Big 12 teams have some of the good stuff, and we don't want those teams to have the good stuff. Well, anyways, uh, if you can't tell, Texas and OU are still ranked and still undefeated. Um, so Texas has now is staying at number three. Um, Oklahoma has moved up from 16 to 14 from last week. And now Kansas, look at that. Kansas is in the top 25 at number 24. So, uh, we only got three teams in the top 25 this week, and I'm guessing it's probably going to stay around that, uh, three, maybe four sometimes range. Greg, how did you feel about week four of college football? The first weekend of conference play. Yeah, I mean, it was good. Um, I think there were definitely – there were a few, I would say, surprising results. But for the most part, I think it pretty much went as expected um, in the sense of that the, the uh, all of the favorites won besides uh, West Virginia and Texas Tech. Um, that was the only, like, upset against the spread, which good call on your part. Um, Let's go. Tanner picked West Virginia. You should have made that your lock. I'm sorry. You, you should. You oh should have yeah, made that yeah. I should have. You're right. You're right. I totally should have. Um, for a second, I thought I did, but no, I definitely, definitely drank too much orange Kool Aid last week. Um, honestly, well, it, almost, it almost paid off for you because, um, you, you know, we we thought that, and and we'll you know we'll, we'll kind of. We'll get a little bit more into this into the OSU Iowa State game later, but we thought that we thought it was going to be like what, like thirteen to ten. Yeah, I just, you know what? Let's just let's just go ahead and jump right into it, Greg. Um, I'm going to give Rocco back his flowers. Um, I don't know if it was the fact that Oklahoma State doesn't know how to play defense, or that he just figured out how to play quarterback at the Division One college level because he looked like a monster. He threw for almost 350 yards, three touchdowns. Um, he looked unstoppable. Uh, you this could was... see, you could see on the sidelines. He was like trying not to smile. He was so happy. It was like it's like the he best game know. of his he life. Couldn't, he couldn't hold it in. He was smiling from ear to ear. Which, if Rocco Beck, if you're just a happy guy and and that's just your persona, that's the way you carry yourself. Good for you. But I, I think that after his first couple touchdown throws, he kind of was like, "Wait, you can you can throw touchdowns for Iowa State?" <laughs> this was uh, so 
honestly, I was having flashbacks to um, – and Tanner, we sat next to each other for this game. I was having flashbacks to Brock Purdy's first game um, against OSU in Stillwater when he looked like a guy. Um and we had never seen him before. Now, I mean, obviously, we had seen Rocco Beck before. He hasn't played very well, um, and, except for this game, of course, uh, up to this point this year. Um, but, yeah, it just kind of reminded me of that that Brock Purdy, um, Oklahoma State. I think that was 2018. Um, yeah, Brock Purdy's debut beats us in Stillwater. Looked very good doing it. Um, but, yeah, Rocco Beck, I agree. Got to give him his flowers. Threw for 350 yards, three touchdowns. I kept saying as we were watching the game, kept telling everyone, don't worry, guys, he's going to make a mistake. Oklahoma State eventually is going to get an interception. Um, they're going to turn this game around, and he never did. So I was I was fully wrong. Yep. I I don't disagree with you. Now, Greg, I have a, I have a question for you, and try to answer this as a non-Oklahoma State fan. Um, how, how did you feel about Oklahoma State going with – Alan Bowman as quote unquote the guy, um, and just the offense in general. I'm it, it was about time that they actually picked one quarterback. I don't think that I don't think that you could have really I think that from what everything that they had put on film, um, at least in terms of on the field. I have no idea what practice looks like, but from everything that we've seen on the field, I think that Alan Bowman was the right choice. I mean, he also is the most experienced, so he gets a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in that regard. Um, OSU's offense as a whole looked better, but it's still not there yet. Um, and, and I think um, Alan Bowman actually mentioned this in his post-game interview, but you know, he said we're close. I think this offense can be electric, but we're not there yet. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they have been rotating quarterbacks for three games now, three weeks, uh, and just now settle on a quarterback. Um, so as objective, I say this as objectively as possible, I think that if they would have just chosen a guy week one and let them work out all of the chemistry issues, because Tanner, you know, how many transfers does Oklahoma State have? How many transfer portal guys? Too many. Too I, many. They, they, they've got like – it's like a third of their roster is completely new. So, so to develop the chemistry, um, that was a very long-winded answer. But I, I think it looked better. Um, but it's, it's still one of probably the worst offenses in the Big 12 right now. Yep, I agree with you. Okay, let's, let's go ahead and move on to number three, Texas – taking on Baylor uh, Texas went into Waco and just put a nice stomping on Baylor. Uh, the last time they will face their in-state uh, foe for who knows how long uh, 38 to six. It kind of looked like um, Texas was playing against a group of five team instead of a power five team. Um, I don't have a ton to say on this one other than Texas just absolutely looks like the number three team in the country. They might as well have been playing a group of five team, Tanner. Wyoming looked better against Texas than, than Baylor did. Um, I'll, I'll pose you a question. Is Dave Aranda on the hot seat? Baylor is one and three, and they have lost to now Texas, 
Texas State and Utah. Um, two of those are are very, you know, uh, their top is Utah top 10 team, top, at least top 15 teams in the country. Um, Texas State was a terrible loss, but they are one in three. Is and let's not seat? and let's let's not forget that that loss against Utah was with two minutes left in the game, they were looking like they were going to win the game. Um, is he on the hot seat? Well, they made it to a bowl game last year. They lost to Air Force, uh, which I kind of figured was going to happen just because Air Force is just the most disciplined team in the country, and I just love it. Um, I don't think he is yet. He will be if this season continues on the trend that it is. So right now, if if they just continue playing the way that they're going, they go one and three. Um, so we're done with what a third of the season so far. So if they continue to go one and three, uh, in each third of the season, they'll end up three and nine. Yes. Hot seat. Absolutely. Uh, how many, how many, how many games do they have to win for him to not be on the hot seat? Cause I think at this pace where they are now, I'd say five, they have to win four of their next eight. So they have to go 500 the rest of the season and he'll be okay. It's wild to me that Oklahoma State and Baylor less than two years ago were in the Big 12 championship because both of those teams have had massive, massive um, fallouts, just complete, like fell off a cliff. Oklahoma State is is struggling and, and basically, I mean, they both, both teams were in the Big 12 championship in 2021 went six and seven the next year. And now Oklahoma state is two and two and Baylor is one and three and neither team really is, is on pace for uh, a a bowl game at all. So Greg, I, (laughs) we're just going to throw questions at each other all night. Uh, I have a question for you. Do you think that this uh, for both Oklahoma state and Baylor started when they moved away from their quarterbacks? Let's let's not forget, uh, Baylor made it to the Big Twelve Championship game. Yes, Blake Shapen played in that game, but who led? Who got them to the Big Twelve Championship game? It was Jerry Bohannon. Jerry Bohannon. Guess who wanted wow. to come back to Oklahoma State this last year, and Let's ultimately Spencer, is now Spencer Sanders. Yes, and is now a backup quarterback at Ole Miss. Sure, yeah, top, I think I think both. I think both Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State would mutually agree that they would love to take each other back right about now. And I think Dave Aranda would look at you square in the face and tell you going with Blake Shapin last year was not not the best idea. I would say the situations are different because Baylor made the Big 12 championship. um, and, And actually, I mean, so did Oklahoma State but they made it solely off of defense. Um, and, and what happened to both teams, um, especially Baylor, was they had they had dudes leave. They went to the NFL. Baylor had plenty of guys drafted. Uh, Oklahoma State had a few guys drafted, and their defensive coordinator ended up leaving uh, that offseason. So I think really both teams need to get back to where they were on defense. Um, and quarterback-wise, I don't think – I was there in Stillwater that year when when Baylor when Oklahoma State actually did beat Baylor. 
Bohannon was not that impressive. I think he threw three picks or something like that. Or no, that was Spencer Sanders. I don't know, regardless. <laughs> <laughs> Neither quarterback was that impressive that game. Um, but the, I, I don't really know. Um, I don't really know where exactly that leaves them if both quarterbacks are there today. I think Oklahoma State's in a much better spot. I don't know if Baylor is that much better. That that's a fair point to bring up. I I probably don't disagree with you, but I I do think that having those quarterbacks and then you allow a guy like Blake Shapin to to grow another year and learned under a more experienced quarterback, I think that probably helps him out more um and allows him to grow, develop into his body, and then also learn quite a bit more um about division one football. Okay. That was a really good conversation on Texas and Baylor. Texas fans, don't worry. We will. I guarantee we're going to talk about Texas more throughout the year. Um, it's just very, <laughs> it's just very interesting to see the rise and fall of Baylor of programs like Baylor and Oklahoma State. Okay, Greg, let's let's talk about OU visiting Cincinnati. It was Cincinnati's first uh, Big Twelve matchup. It was absolutely rocking. Nippet Stadium is one of the best environments. There's only there's under fifty thousand seats in the stadium. Um, but it is, it was so loud. Um, the cameras were shaking and ultimately they fall to OU, but either they made OU look not as good or, uh, they're better than scoring six points suggests. I'm not sure which one, but I, I like Cincinnati in this one. Um, I think OU could have done quite a bit more, but Cincinnati had some plays in their hands that just didn't work out for them that if they would have made those plays, this game could have been a lot closer. Yeah, I think, and I think on the other end of that, oh, you could have made a few more plays and this would have been considered a blowout. That's um, true. This could have Dylan, been closer to the Texas Baylor score. You're right. I agree. Yeah. With you. Dylan Gabriel on um, what would have been OU's first scoring drive of the game, fumbled the ball in the red zone. Um, that one vividly sticks out to me as, as something that they could have at least gotten three points out of. Um, but then, like you said, Tanner, Cincinnati had a few key mistakes. They had a, um, they missed a very, very makeable field goal um, before the end of the first half. Uh, they threw a pick in the end zone in the first half as well. When even if that pass was thrown away, they could have kicked a field goal <laughs> and and made it a little bit closer. Uh, but yeah, I I was really impressed with Cincinnati's defense. Um, I mean. OU is going to be able to score points on you and get yards on you, um, but limiting them to only two touchdowns ultimately, um, the two field goals as well, but you take that as a win if you're uh, the opposing team facing Dylan Gabriel and, and company. Uh, I, they needed more out of their out of their offense. And I, and I called this last week, and then I was actually, I, I, you know, I gave myself a, a slight pat on the back as I was watching this game. The commentators both said at the beginning of the game, focus on uh, Emory Jones and the quarterback run game. And and Cincinnati really, for the most part, was not able to get that established as a, as a consistent thing. Um, he only carried the ball, 15 carries, 42 yards. That includes sacks. Um, so he did have like a, he did have a, a his longest run was 20 yards, but uh, still they, they, they just weren't able to establish that um, as consistently as, as they would have liked. I will say they weren't as able to establish the quarterback run game, but their overall run game was pretty, it was pretty solid. They ran for 
141 yards, 3.8 yards a carry. That is that's solid. Um, especially against OU's defense. OU's OU's front front seven is is uh very stout this year. Um yeah, OU putting up almost 350 yards 325 yards actually uh and only coming away with 20 points i think that that shows that cincinnati is somewhat of a uh bend but don't break defense they 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 played pretty well at home and it'll be interesting to see what happens this upcoming week for them okay greg let's let's go ahead and move on to smu at tcu i I thought that SMU had a pretty solid chance at pl- at least playing this game close, and it looked that way for um, about the first half. And then once the second half started, it, it really went downhill for SMU. TCU just really came out and played well. Chandler Morris had – oh, my gosh, he had himself a day. He ran the ball really well um, and threw it pretty, pretty solidly as well. But, honestly, SMU just shot themselves in the foot in the second half. Yeah, I think um, I think TCU might be might be catching finally catching its stride. Oh, I say finally. You know, we're only four games into the season, but they they had the big miss against Colorado in Week One, and I know that's a game they would like to have back. Uh, and, and Chandler Moore's played well, has played well throughout the year. But what killed them in that Colorado game was his turnovers, uh, and obviously he was able to eliminate that uh, in this game and, and looked like you mentioned, Tanner, looked really good. Um, and, and TCU's defense as well was able to, uh, I mean, SMU is known for, for their offense and uh, forcing them to, or limiting them, I should say, to 17 points is, is a good day. Absolutely. Um, I do have to say, Jared Wiley, TCU's tight end, is he's, he's so good. He's so big. He's so strong. He, he, kind of reminds me of Travis Kelsey. He had five receptions for 37 yards and two touchdowns on Saturday. He is definitely Chandler Morris's favorite target, most receptions on the day. Um, I do have to say also that it it pains me a little bit to see John Paul Richardson uh, wearing that purple. Well, I guess on Saturday, Saturday it was black. Um, but he, former Oklahoma State wide receiver, just a really shifty, quick uh, slot wide receiver. He He had one catch for 38 yards, but still – he was able to move the change for uh, TCU last week. Okay, Greg, your lock of the week, which didn't work out as well as you might have liked. Um, BYU falls to Kansas 38-27. to That actually vaulted Kansas up into the top 25, like I mentioned earlier. Um, Greg, do you have any big takeaways from this game? Honestly, big takeaways – not really. Um, I think it was a bad beat for me. I had BYU plus nine and a half to lose by 11. Um, so just a couple points short um, and, and a late a late field goal in the fourth quarter. Um, absolutely, you know, killed that for me. Uh, BYU was up by or was up was down by eight. And then Kansas kicked a field goal with a minute and a half left to basically secure the win, make it a two possession game. Um, but also cost me, cost me my lock of the week picks. So that, that was unfortunate, but no, I think, uh, again, Kansas is proving that last year was not a fluke. Um, they are for real. And I think BYU is also showing that they're not going to go down easy. And um, they're, I think, uh, I would say, um, by far and away, both UCF and BYU are the, are the two most impressive additions 
uh, at least short-term, immediate right now, um, their football teams, um, they are going, they're both going to be tough outs. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I want to bring up. So friend of the podcast, Joe Golter earlier on uh, this year, I think it was in the the mailbag episode, asked me, uh, what did I think Keaton Slovis would do uh, this upcoming year? And I, I predicted that he would be somewhere in between his freshman and his junior year. So his freshman year, he went off at USC his junior year last year um, at Pitt. He didn't, he had a really, really poor year. Um, and I, I predicted that he would be somewhere in the middle. And I think that this is what you're seeing. He threw for 357, two touchdowns, but also two interceptions. So you're, you're seeing that, that variance where he's throwing for a lot of yards, um, some touchdowns, but also making some poor decisions here and there. Um, but I was honestly really surprised. I, I was looking at the box score because I did watch the game and I, I recognized that Kansas's running game was really solid. They, they ran for 220 yards. Um, but, and I thought, I just thought Jalen Daniels threw for more yards than he did. He threw, he only threw for 130, but he had three touchdowns. I was, I was just surprised by that just because when you throw for three touchdowns when you're watching the game you might not realize that oh actually um he didn't throw for that many yards he just (laughs) took the opportunities that were laid in front of him in the in the red zone did you see um kansas's defensive back kobe bryant's hit yes welcome to the big 12 so if if you guys haven't seen it um i guess we can we could probably go and retweet it actually i thought it was funny the big 12 conferences um Twitter account tweeted it out, which I thought was hilarious because uh, it's Big 12 on Big 12 crime. But yeah, like Greg said, one of the Kansas DBs absolutely demolished uh, BYU skill play. I, was it a running back? I think it was. Uh, I think it was I actually think it was their receiver. I think it was, it was their best receiver. It was it was their best receiver actually. Now that I'm remembering, um, it was their best receiver, and he actually got knocked out for the game. Um, but it was like the first play uh, from scrimmage in Kansas got a defensive touchdown off of it. It was, it was quite impressive. Um, okay, Greg, let's, uh, let's talk about Texas tech at West Virginia. Um, West Virginia pulls off the upset. I don't know if you'd call it an upset. West Virginia now moves to three and one. They won 20 to 13 tech moves to one and three. What, what are your thoughts on tech at this point in the season? Um, it's it's beginning to look like you were right. I mean, you you were not bought into the hype all year, and, and now they're sitting here one and three, still have yet to beat an FBS team. Um, Tech doesn't look great. Uh, Tyler Shook went out of this game um, with what is probably going to be a season-ending injury. I mean, it looked absolutely brutal. Did, it, did, did we find out what happened? Did he break his leg? Um, I don't know exactly what happened, but I was watching when it happened, and it looked like the way that the trainers were reacting and they put a splint on his lower leg and it looked like he has a broken leg. Yeah. So it, you know, not exactly the way you want to win a quarterback competition, but if there was a quarterback competition, um, there isn't anymore. It'll be Baron Morton going forward. So, um, and, and he did not look great against West Virginia who, uh, I mean, between the way they played against tech the way they basically won the game against Pitt uh, the week prior, West Virginia's got a pretty good defense this year. Yep. So it is confirmed fractured fibula. So that's, that's, that's tough luck. 
Um, but yeah, West Virginia's defense is definitely what's carrying them. Although uh, Martial's uh, West Virginia's backup quarterback did have himself a good day running the ball, which I don't know if I don't know was that on your scouting report form, Greg? I didn't I didn't have that on my scouting report. <laughs> I'm just I don't teasing. think I, I cannot remember the last time West Virginia's really thrown the ball <laughs> that's for, that's... for a lot of yards. So I just kind of assumed he could run it. <laughs> That's a great point. Um, but yeah, Baron Morton, I think maybe next week with an extra with a full week of practice and expected, like being expected to take over the starting job, I think he will probably fare better than he did against West Virginia's stout defense. Um, would you would you agree with that? Do you think um they also have a much easier matchup too, I would say. That's a great point. Um Joey McGuire is Tech's head coach, right? Right. Do you think that he's on the hot seat? No, definitely not. Why? He is recruiting really, really well. And yes, they've had a really slow start to the year, but this is also a team that won eight games last year, uh, including the bull win. Uh, which... Eight games? Holy cow. For I don't want to attack any fan bases, but... Um, I think Texas Tech fans were very, very happy with eight and five last year, and 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 ending the year with a win against OU, and then a bowl win against Ole Miss. Uh, I would say left them pretty happy and excited for the start of the season, which hasn't necessarily come to fruition. Um, but we'll see. The season's still young. I, I still think they'll make a bowl game, um, even at one and three right now. Um, but yeah. Tough, tough start to the season. But no, I don't think he's on the hot seat. I, he's recruiting really well. The, the whole fan base loves him. He'll, he'll, he'll be okay. He'll figure it out. They have to go five and three in conference play to make a bowl game. Yeah, that's tough. They'll, they'll figure it out. They'll sure. Good. Okay. I trust you. We'll see. Actually, I don't believe you. <laughs> um, okay. I don't think we really need to talk too much about this, but Houston beats Sam Houston uh, 38-7. to I do have to say, Houston's running game had had a good day. Um, there's really not much other than that. They had 100, uh, 186 yards on the ground. Parker Jenkins, the lead back, scored three touchdowns along with 105 rushing yards. There's not there's not too much to say about this one. Do you have do you have anything you would like to? to say greg no no i i, I do not pretty boring uh matchup yep yep i agree and then finally the last game that we're going to cover or well the only other game in the big 12 uh ucf visited kansas state um greg do you think the the ucf players were ready for the atmosphere that is manhattan kansas you know i've got to give kansas state credit that that has has quickly rose in the in terms of places you don't want to play in the Big 12. Um, Bill Snyder Family Stadium never really used to be. And, and by, by never, I mean, I'm talking like 10, 15 years ago. I mean, that, that wasn't really a place that jumped out at you when you thought of toughest places to play in the Big 12. Um, but now it definitely does. And um, I would say that UCF played, I mean, they still played well. They were not expected to win this game. Uh, but they they kept it really really close for for the majority of the game. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, Greg. Do you think that it's good to give up four hundred and seven yards? 
No, no, it's not great. It's okay. Not great. So does that mean that UCF's offense is really good or that K-State's defense is bad or a mix of the both? It could be a mix of the both as well. I, I mean, it's got to be a mix of the both. I, and I think that Kansas State, completely different identity than last year. I mean, they had a really, really good defense last year. Um, had some guys drafted, definitely taken a, a step down this year. But their offense looked really, really good. Um, they had 536 yards, and uh, Will Howard was not supposed to play in this game, or at least was questionable, and, and he ended up playing. Um, he ran for two touchdowns, so – I assume he's healthy, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, UCF with a backup quarterback, I would say left me impressed. I, I agree with that. Um, I think that there's you're left wanting on both defenses, um, especially UCF's rushing defense. They gave up six touchdowns on the ground. Um, that's that's pretty tough. Um, but yeah, I, I was impressed with K-State's offense. And also impressed with UCF's offense, um, or maybe not as impressed with K State's defense. Which, honestly, if if you're asking me, I think it's I think it's more Kansas State's defense. Um, they gave up 35 or 37 to Mizzou, and then giving up 31 to UCF. Uh, it's 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 just a little surprising to me. And we will see what happens um, as they move along in conference play. Okay, Greg. So what? I'm now two and three with my locks of the week, and you're now three and two. Yeah, unfortunately, on a little two game slide here. Oh, hoping yeah. to bounce back though. We can't well, we can't we can't we cannot uh, risk the integrity and the and the you know perception of lock of the week. We've we've got to both bounce back and finish with positive records. I agree with you and we'll get there. There's we still have two thirds of the season left. We will, we will get there. Okay. I, I have figured out though, Tanner, I think, I think I make most of my money at the beginning of the season when nobody else knows what they're doing. And then by the time this, by the time the sports books figure out these teams, I, I am stumped. I like that's, that's the whole point. The sports books are meant to make money. So they well, got you figured I, out. Well, I, I think that in the in the non-conference, I can confidently say that um, – well, I mean, I went 3-0 in my lock of the week in non-conference. So I, I feel pretty good. But now, now, like I said, I said this a few weeks ago. Once conference play starts, the margins get a lot closer. So yep, they do. Well, unless you're Texas or OU, they they get closer, but still not, not too close for comfort. Okay, let's go ahead and pick some games, and then we'll make our lock of the week. And then we will send you all on your way. Okay, Greg, Friday, Friday Night Lights. Whoa. We got Cincinnati visiting BYU. Uh, first matchup of the newcomers, I guess you could say. Um, currently, Cincinnati's favored by two on the road in Provo. It's going to be 8-15 or 9-15 kickoff, depending on where you're at. Greg, what what do you got? I have BYU. I just don't see them losing their first uh, home Big 12 game uh, to a team that really, like I said, Cincinnati impressed me against OU, um, especially on defense, but I just don't think that 
I just don't think that they're going to be able to go on the road and score enough points to beat BYU in what's going to be a pretty crazy environment. So I'll take BYU. I'm going to take Cincinnati on this one. I think that having that raucous crowd at home, your first Big 12 game, you got the nerves out of you, you lost, which is fair to say for BYU, went on the road and lost. Um, I think that Cincinnati is going to be um, ready to play this game. I think BYU is going to be excited. It's kind of it's kind of going to be like uh, how Cincinnati was last week. It's going to be really loud and raucous, but I think Cincinnati will have their stuff together, and they will ultimately pull out a win. All right, Greg. Next, the morning. Well, I guess the afternoon slate. We don't have any morning games this week. Also, I should mention Kansas State and Oklahoma State have their buys this week, which we could talk about that later. If you're Kansas State and Oklahoma State, you don't like to have your buys this early in the year. Um, it leaves eight straight games of conference play. It's it's a grind, um, but we'll see what happens with them. Okay, Kansas visits Texas. It's going to be on ABC. Um, Texas is currently a 16.5-point favorite. I, I'm going to go first on this one because I let you go first on the last one, Greg. I'm going to take Texas to win, and I'm just going to do it now. Kansas is my lock of the week to cover 16 and a half. There we go. All right. Well, I am, hmm, I'm going to take Texas. I'm not really, I'm not going to pick the spread on this game because, uh, because it, it won't be my lock either way, but this is probably the matchup I'm most excited for. Um, I really hope that Kansas can keep this close. And I, I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to say I'm, I'm, I will be cheering for Kansas. <laughs> Let's not forget. Um, was it the last time Kansas visited Austin? It uh-huh. was. It was. Uh, Kansas upset Texas in double overtime. Some sort of overtime. I don't remember. Yeah, but it was. It was exciting. Okay, Greg Houston at Texas Tech. Who do you got? Also, this is this is interesting to me. Um, the line I checked yesterday. Yes. Um, this is something Greg and I do on Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. Um, also Saturday mornings, (laughs) uh, we check lines. (laughs) Greg might be embarrassed. No, we don't actually do it every day. Um, but I saw the line. It was originally Texas tech 10 and a half. Um, it's currently at Texas tech minus eight. What do you think about that? Is there something going on? Well, I was wondering the same thing for Cincinnati and BYU because BYU started off as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Now they're a two-point underdog, so a pretty drastic swing there. But, um, no, I don't think there's anything going on. I I think the lines kind of change throughout the week depending on who uh, most of the money comes in on. But um, that doesn't change my opinion whatsoever. I I think Tech wins this game. and um, I don't know if they cover or not, but I, I like Tech to win this game. I like Tech as well. Um, I, I do think that Houston is one of the worst teams in the Big 12, and I hope that Texas Tech shows that that is the case on Saturday. Okay, Greg, we got Baylor visiting UCF. Um, UCF's currently an 11.5-point favorite. I would not have told you that this was going to be the case going into this game, but I feel very confident that UCF is going to win. Yeah, honestly, I, I did too. I 
I don't know if Dave Aranda's got any tricks up his sleeve. I know we spent a lot of time talking about Dave Aranda earlier, but um, he's going to have to because you, you still – I don't believe they have Blake Shapin. Um, that's I think that this. I think that this is their last week without Shapin. That's what I, that's what I thought too. Um, that's what I thought too. I just wasn't sure, but but um, yeah, one and four would be a really really not ideal start <laughs> for Baylor. But yeah, I mean UCF. It's kind of like I mentioned with BYU. They're not losing their first Big Twelve home. You know, home game. bounce house. Isn't isn't UCF Stadium called the Bounce House? Yes, it is. Oh, I'm excited. This is gonna be this is gonna be fun. You do you have do you have UCF or who who do you have? Oh yeah 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 yeah. Sorry, I have UCF. Okay, all right, yep. good deal. Okay, Greg, Iowa State visits number fourteen Oklahoma. Um, OU's favored by twenty. I'm I'm guessing that you're gonna support Matt Campbell here and take Iowa State. Well, I'll be supporting them um, by cheering <laughs> for them, but I'm a realist and I'm gonna pick OU. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see if um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if Oklahoma State's defense gave uh, Rocco Beck some confidence to go out and and maybe try to pull off an upset against OU. But um, I don't know, maybe gave him a false sense of hope because OU's got a legitimate defense, um, and and as is Iowa State. I think I think Iowa State's you know they still got one of the better defenses in the conference. So. It'll be an interesting matchup, um, but I kind of see this going down about how um, very similar to the Cincinnati OU game from last week. But I think that OU doesn't make those mistakes they made against Cincinnati and they end up running away with this one a little bit. I like that. Yeah, I'm going to go with OU on this one as well. I would, unless Iowa State just has an absolutely magnificent scoring output, I'm I would probably also take the OU points as well. All right, Greg. I think that this is probably going to be the best matchup of the the entire weekend, even better than Kansas at Texas. West Virginia at TCU. Both both teams are three and one. TCU is a twelve a twelve point favorite. Let me ask you a question really quick. Whoever do you think that whoever wins this game will jump into the top twenty five? Oh. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Maybe. Um, they might. If, if if West Virginia goes on the road and, and pulls off the upset, I, I can see them jumping into the top 25. But also, they, because of how low the expectations were for them, I, I think it'll take maybe another win um, before, they, before they sneak in there. But... Um, just to pick this game really quickly, I like I like TCU at home. They've looked a lot better since that one loss to Colorado. Um, and I just – I think that West Virginia will have success running the ball against TCU's defense, um, and, and that's how they'll keep it close. Uh, so I, I honestly kind of like West Virginia to cover, um, but I, I, I just can't pick against TCU in this, in this game. Okay. I have rode West Virginia the last two weeks and their win against Tech and their win against Pitt. Um, I'm going to go with TCU on this one. I'm sorry, all, all my West Virginia fans, um, but I agree with Greg here. I think it's too um, too hard not or too hard to pick against TCU in this game. They TCU has just been playing well. I feel like I feel like whoever wins this game will be in the top 25. Um, 
West Virginia with honestly two two it would be two upsets back to back for them uh, between Tech and TCU, and then TCU just getting basically getting back on a nice four game winning streak after losing to Colorado in in week one. So I think whoever wins this game will be back in the top twenty five. Um, especially if there are some major upsets ahead of them, uh, but we'll see. Okay, Greg, did you did you say who your lock of the week was? I, I have not. I can I can go ahead and do that really yeah. quickly. Um, I know you 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 already mentioned yours was Kansas covering uh, against Texas. Um, mine was uh, is, is BYU um, to cover and win against Cincinnati. So BYU is a two point underdog. I am shocked that the line is falling in Cincinnati's favor. I don't get it. I was trying to look stuff up before we reported to see if there was an injury of some sort that they could be swinging this line. Uh, I could not find anything. So, again, I am clueless. I, I really, unless, um, you know, Cincinnati's defense really just, you know, kind of impressed the, the, the nation this week against OU, I don't understand why this line has swung in Cincinnati's direction and um, this was going to be my lock, even if BYU was a two and a half point favorite. Uh, I, I think they win this game, and um, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But I, I feel very good that they're going to win. Heck yeah! Okay, and then I already said it, but my lock of the week is going to be Kansas covering a sixteen and a half point spread against Texas. All right, Greg, do you have any one that you want to put on upset alert this week? Uh, TCU, uh, watch out. Um, I mean, it would be an upset. TCU is a 12-point favorite. Um, but like I mentioned, I think that if West Virginia can really establish the run game and control the clock a little bit, they've got a defense that is capable of forcing turnovers. We already saw it. We've also seen Chandler Morris make mistakes. So I don't know. I think that um, I think that TCU has got to be careful not to slip up in this game. This is a game that they should win. Um, but definitely not look past. Oh, Greg, you know what we forgot to mention is that we have, and this is going to be my upset alert. I'm putting tech on upset alert. Do you want to know why? Uh, yeah, I do. Guess who is coming back to Lubbock to try to take down his former team? Oh, I forgot about this. That's right. Donovan um, Smith. Yep, there we go. Donovan Smith, former Texas Tech quarterback, transferred to Houston and is now coming back to Lubbock to see if he can take down his former Red Raiders. So that is who I am putting on upset alert. Um, I still think Tech's going to win, but Houston could pull off the upset, and that's why they're on upset alert. Okay, Greg, do you have anything else that you would like to say to the good listeners this week? I, I hope that we can get back on track with our box camera. But other than that, uh, I, I, I do not have much. Um, I, I did not tweet out um, our lock of the week results. It was too depressing for me to tweet out two losses, um, both my two game losing streak and both of us dropping ours this week. Um, hopefully we'll have better luck this week. Absolutely. Um Let's see. Where do I want to go here? Uh, Bad podcasting. Okay. Um, If anybody has any comments or questions or concerns or suggestions for anything that you want us to do in the podcast, please let us know. Uh, You can DM us on Twitter or Instagram or just, oh gosh, Twitter, X, whatever you call it. 
Um, we would be so glad to hear from you guys. Um, we are still trying to grow the podcast. You know, we're always looking for growth. We have actually declined. So whoever stopped listening, which you probably won't hear this, uh, we're upset with you. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. And we are excited for more football. All right, everybody. We thank you. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs>